0: welcome to the ginghamsburg podcast after today's message take a second to download the ginghamsburg app it's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at ginghamsburg we hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step in your journey with jesus Amen. can we give the praise team a round of applause please Amen. Amen. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice in what? Be glad in it. Be glad in it. So uh, for those of you who do not know me, my name is Pastor Carl. Yeah. That's my wife. So her name is Shannon. She is my cheerleader. My name is Pastor Carl, and I am the lead pastor of our Fort McKinley campus of Ginghamsburg Church. It is an absolute privilege to be here with you today. I haven't been here for a few months, and that is because we are working hard at Fort McKinley. And in order for some of these changes to happen, the pastor has to be in the building. So uh, I I want you to know, though, that we're growing at Fort McKinley. Our giving is increasing. Our participation is more. We have more servants than we've had in a long time at Fort McKinley, and they are engaged and empowered to do the work of the Lord. So I just give Fort McKinley a round of applause for how great they are. But again, wonderful to be here. I'm not here as much as I'd like to be, but again, God has me working pretty hard. So keep us lifted up in prayer. Now, can we just get into it? Because I'm kind of ready to go. You guys all right with that? Okay. So we're in this sermon series right now, and it is entitled Jesus Is. During this sermon series, we've looked at the character of Jesus over the last four weeks. In week one, we found out that Jesus was a carpenter. Of all the character traits that Jesus has demonstrated to us, a carpenter, I know it was for me, A carpenter may seem like a bit of a letdown until we consider that a carpenter's job is to create, a carpenter's job is to refurbish, and a carpenter's job is to make something old new again. A carpenter can take a hot mess and make it beautiful once more, amen? How many of us are glad that Jesus is a carpenter this morning? Amen. In week two, we discussed that Jesus is a teacher, that a carpenter from Nazareth would become known as the master teacher and the greatest teacher who ever lived. Good teachers, good teachers understand that the dreams of our lives begins with a good teacher who believes in you, who tugs and pushes and leads you on to the next plateau sometimes poking you with a sharp stick called truth. If you were to look back over your life, you would realize that this is exactly what Jesus has been doing for you and for me this entire time by believing in you, by pushing you, by leading you, and by pricking your heart with the truth. Last week, the topic was Jesus is a healer. This one resounded with me because has anybody ever been sick before? Right? Has anybody ever had some financial difficulties that you thought you couldn't overcome? Has anyone here ever had a relationship that just fell apart? Has anyone here ever had a broken heart as you grieve the loss of a loved one? I know Jesus to be the healer that he is because if it weren't for the healing ministry of Jesus, I and many of us would not be in this room today, amen? Amen. It is Jesus's healing ministry that allowed us to keep moving on in life. And today I can say that we have been healed, amen? For our time this week, our topic is that Jesus is a prophet, a prophet. The gospel writers say a whole lot about prophets and prophecy. Their understanding of who these people were and the nature of the phenomenon is primarily informed by the Old Testament. Old Testament prophets were people who had a special encounter with God and who, as a result, received a message directly from God. This message may have come to them in different ways, possibly through dreams, visions, moments of ecstasy, external or internal voices, but the word was always God's and never the prophet's. The word of the Lord through the prophet took many forms. Sometimes prophets predicted what was yet to come, but the word itself, to prophesy, does not in itself mean to predict the future. It does not. Its primary meaning is simply to do the work of a prophet, which was to be God's spokesperson. A prophet is God's spokesperson, spokesperson. The prophets themselves were of various kinds and from different walks of life. Some of them were itinerants like Elijah and Elisha, holy men and miracle workers. Some were ecstatics. Some gathered around a prominent person to form groups, and still others stood outside of the social structures of their day, acting as reformers who called Israel back to the covenant God had made with them. But my friends, the hallmark of a prophet, that which enabled these men and women to speak for God was their inspiration by the Holy Spirit. They were a spirit-bearing people. So when prophets spoke with the Spirit on them or in them, they spoke with the authority of God. It was this that gave weight and significance to their their message, the Holy Spirit influencing them. The gospels make it pretty clear that the masses saw in the words and actions of Jesus convinced evidence that he was indeed a prophet. For example, Jesus pronounced on the people threats of judgment to come, but he also offered the promises of blessings from God. Jesus had an ability to see what ordinary people could not see and he surprised people with what can only be called supernatural knowledge or insight by the Spirit. Jesus had visions. He heard the voice of God and was caught up in moments of ecstasy. He, too, performed miracles and did mighty works, even raising the dead to life. That made people marvel and fear him at the same time. He also acted out his message in dramatic form. In fact, when the thousands were fed by Jesus from a very small food supply, they all concluded that he was the long expected prophet mentioned in the book of John. Both individuals and the masses saw in Jesus a prophet like the classical Old Testament prophets. The blind man to whom Jesus restored his sight said, he is a prophet indeed in John 9 and 17. And two of Jesus' own disciples spoke of him as a prophet, mighty in deed and word in the sight of God and the people in Luke 24 and 19. Jesus is a prophet. The scripture that I would like to lift up today comes from the book of John, chapter 4. It is a very familiar bit of scripture where Jesus talked to the Samaritan woman at the well. This is a familiar story and we've preached it a number of times, but if you preach this message 10 times, you're gonna get 10 different topics because there's so much richness in this story. To recap the story, Jesus was leaving Judea to go back to Galilee, but he went through Samaria to get there. So Jesus is literally on a trip a trip that normally every Jew would go all the way around Samaria to get to their destination. But this is Jesus. He walked on a straight line, just like he's calling us to walk on a straight line, to encounter people who may not look like us, act like us, vote like us, live where we live, etc. Jesus is a rule breaker. I love breaking rules. I don't know if you guys know this or not. <laughs> I'm not talking about laws. I'm talking about these phony social rules that I don't know who said that I'm not allowed to talk to people that don't look like me. I'm not allowed to talk to people who are homeless. I'm not allowed to talk to people who are in Narcotics Anonymous and Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm not allowed to deal with and encounter people who are, who are working through addiction. That phony rule that somebody wrote that says the only people I can talk to have to look like me. I'm breaking rules. I'm breaking rules mainly because Jesus broke them. (laughs) I'm breaking rules. Jesus was leaving Judea to go back to Galilee, but he went through Samaria to get there. Now, some context. Samaritans and Jews had a very polemic relationship with each other for centuries. Polemic, meaning hostile. They were at war. Polemic. They detested each other, but of course, that doesn't stop Jesus from going there on his travels to Galilee. Tired from the journey, he sat down by the well as it was about noon. Tired from the journey. We're talking about Jesus. All God and all human. And Jesus gets tired you know what that tells me, church? Jesus knows what tired feels like. He knows how you feel when you get tired from your journey. So don't think that because God has called you and given you some gifts and has spurred you on, don't think you don't need a break along your journey sometimes. Sometimes we need rest Sometimes we need relaxation. And if Jesus got tired and had to sit down, maybe when we get tired on our journey, we need to sit down too. Amen? There's nothing wrong with taking a rest. Just don't rest forever. Right? If Jesus got tired and took a rest, what should that tell us? Maybe we need to take a rest right now. Maybe some of our journeys have gotten so long and arduous that is time for us to slow down a little bit and take a rest. Tired from the journey, he sat down by the well as it was about 12 noon. 12 noon, put a thumbtack in that, we're gonna come back to that. When a, come to the, when a Samaritan woman comes to the well to draw water, Jesus asks her if she will give him a drink. She, realizing that Jesus was a Jew, asks him, how can you ask me for a drink when Jews don't associate with Samaritans? Jesus, Jesus's answer was this. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus goes on to say, anyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. We see in this story that Jesus is functioning as a prophet for this Samaritan woman. He is serving as a channel of communication between her and God. Then Jesus goes deeper with this conversation by saying, go call your husband and come back. You guys know this part right? Her reply was, begrudgingly probably, I have no husband. I have no husband. Which is when Jesus says very prophetically, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands and the man you're with now is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. So Jesus tests this woman and guess what? She tells the truth to him. He puts her in a hard hard conversation and she is honest and vulnerable before the Lord. Jesus is not only a prophet, Jesus is the prophet and the son of God. He can be trusted because of his relationship to God. How many of us know some prophets can't be trusted? i give you an example. You guys remember Miss Cleo? The Jamaican lady who would give you love advice for a small fortune in phone costs. Every time that commercial came on, I used to be like, well, that's so you don't follow. We have to be aware of false prophets because they exist. But I'm talking about the prophet in Jesus. The scripture demonstrates that if you want to receive the blessing of prophecy over your life, prophecy that can set you free, we must become vulnerable in front of Jesus. We have to be willing to strip away our pride. We have to be willing to strip away our shame. We have to be willing to strip strip away our self-consciousness to be authentic and truthful with our Lord. When he tested her, she became naked before Jesus and told the truth. She stripped herself to be honest with Jesus. And church, until we can become naked before the Lord, we may not receive the prophecy that Jesus is trying to get to us. Until we strip from our educations, until we strip from our stations in life, until we strip from our finances and our material things, until we can strip before God all those things away and get real, maybe we can't receive the freedom given from the prophet. Maybe we can't receive the liberation given from the prophet. Maybe we can't receive the wholeness that Jesus wants to speak into our lives because we're holding on to stuff that we don't need. Realizing this, the woman stopped hiding. The woman stopped ducking from her past. She saw that she needed to repent so that she could let Jesus the prophet tell her about who she really was, her true calling and her true destiny. The Samaritan woman, astonished and blown away by the insight of Jesus says, I can see that you are a prophet. Shortly thereafter, the woman says that she knows the Messiah is coming and he will explain everything to us. And Jesus' reply is, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. But here's the verse I love, church. Verse 28, it says, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town And said to the people, verse 29, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Verses 28 and 29, I'm going to read it again. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. In other words, what she is saying is, come see a man that knows me. Come see a man that sees me. Come see a man that accepts me, that loves me, and that is engaged with me. Samaritan woman was quiet due to her shame and was shunned by her community, gossiped about, and basically wearing a scarlet letter. But once she spoke to Jesus the prophet, she gained confidence and she gained courage. Her voice was amplified and she stood with her head held high within the crowd of those very same people who tarnished her name, professing that Jesus, the true prophet, knows me, knows all of me, and still loves me. Somebody say amen. She left her past behind. She left that water jug behind and became the first person in the Gospels to preach a sermon on Jesus. And guess what? Her sermon topic was this, he knows me. He knows me. He knows that I've had five husbands. He knows that I'm ridiculed. He knows that I'm embarrassed. He knows that I'm lonely. He knows that I'm persecuted. He knows all the hatred between our races, but he still talked with me. He knows all that I have ever done. He knows that I am a woman despised by other women, which is why she was getting her water at 12 o'clock p.m. All the other women in that village get their water in the morning but because of the public ridicule she went through every day on a daily basis, she drew her water once they were all gone. Can you picture what she must have gone through with those folks? The way they talked about her behind her back, the rumors that were spread about her, the murmuring that was going on right in front of her face. However, Once the woman abided with Jesus the prophet, she no longer cared what people said about her anymore. Anybody ever been there? Once you have a real encounter with Jesus, you don't care what people got to say about you. You don't know where God has delivered me from. Something happens when you have a real encounter with Jesus the prophet. You stop being worried about things that just aren't important. Stuff starts falling off of you. You start to prioritize the things in your life. That's what happened to this lady. She instantly realized who she was and whose she was. And when I think of Jesus as a prophet, I get excited because Jesus knows everything we've ever done and he still extends grace, he still extends mercy, he still extends forgiveness, he still extends adoption and he still extends acceptance to us. Somebody say, amen. Jesus is a prophet. All right, church, I got a question for you. Has there ever been a moment when God's word has empowered you? Maybe it was uncomfortable. Maybe it was hard to swallow. But has there been a time when prophecy has told you your future? Uncomfortable, awkward? Those are the words of growth It's terrible when you're going through it because you just feel just like, oh my God, this is so uncomfortable. But discomfort, awkwardness, uncertainty, that's the language of growth. Because what's it force you to do when you're uncertain? Get on your knees. What's it force you to do when you you feel uncomfortable? Get on your knees. When you feel awkward, Lord Jesus, help me get through this. I don't know how I'm going to do this. Which is right where God wants us. God's not going to give you the whole plan. Believe me, I've asked for it. He gives it to you in pieces to keep you on your knees. Because if he gave you the whole plan, you know what you would do? You'd try to become God. You'd either try to become God or you'd run. Or you'd mess it up somehow. The key is this, abiding with the Lord. You know what my strategy is? I don't let go. I'm not letting go. I don't care where God drags me. I don't care where God takes me. I am not letting go. I don't have to know where we're going. I'm just telling you, I'm not letting go. You're gonna to have to take me where you go. That is my strategy. Hold on to God's hand and don't turn it loose for anything. Just hang on and abide with the Lord and watch where he takes you. When I was about 12 years old, my grandmother spoke a prophecy over me. I've told you guys about my grandmother. She's the one that put the seed of faith in me. It worked. It worked. But I remember she told me that one day I would become a minister and a pastor. And that I would be preaching to groups of people in more than one church. Fort McKinley, Tip City not to mention what I do out in the community. She would say things like, Grandma is just getting you ready, honey. She used to call me honey all the time. Grandma is just getting you ready, honey, for how God wants to use you. Initially, I thought she said these things to me because she's grandma, and that's what grandmas do, right? Grandmas are always encouraging their grandkids. I figured she was just doing that for me. But at the same time, I knew where her inspiration was coming from. And I also realized that she wasn't saying this to my two older brothers and my sister. It was just me. She would have me upstairs on the side of her bed, rubbing all this holy oil on me, and it's like 85 degrees in her bedroom in July. And, uh, you know, I come back down the steps staggering and all greasy and sweaty. You know, I'm like, Grandma, I'm, I'm trying to play some kickball or something. Can I, you know? How come nobody else has to do this? She was always like, Carl, I'm just getting you ready. I'm just getting you ready. I trusted her word to me because of her strong relationship with Jesus, but I was also, I was also thinking to myself, how is all this going to happen? I wasn't getting all A's on my report card. I was misbehaving in school. I call it youthful exuberance. My father didn't appreciate the term, but My homework wasn't always done. My chores around the house weren't finished. I was an average athlete and there was nothing necessarily sparkling about me. I didn't feel worthy of such a future and I couldn't see how to get there. Caused me a lot of trepidation and and I struggled with this word that my grandmother gave me. I felt like the prophets of old. Moses tried to run Jonah tried to run. A whale swallowed him for... T- <laughs> I, I mean, I get it. I wanted to run too because I just couldn't see it. I know me, and I know what you require. Some of what you require, it just doesn't match up. And talking with my grandmother about all of this, she said to me, I know you're struggling with this, honey, And you may may be tempted to reject this prophecy over your life, but God knows your past and where you have fallen short. God knows your present and where you're frustrated today, but honey, God knows your future. In other words, God knows everything I have ever done in my life, yet he sees me. Jesus is a prophet. So if you fast forward it to 35 years afterwards, I am doing exactly what God told my grandmother I would be doing with my life. And if Fort McKinley is the last job I take, let it be so. This was prophesied to me when I was 12. And look at me, look, I'm standing before you. Jesus is a prophet. Somebody say amen. When we read this story and consider this woman who had five husbands, we tend to make some assumptions and some generalizations about her, just like the other women at the well. We may think her promiscuity must have been the reason for her having multiple husbands. But let's consider the context that she was living in before we do that. Back in these times, women were considered to be second-class citizens without the same rights as a man. And if a woman got married and her husband died, she was simply passed on to the next brother in that family's lineage. This could have happened to her not once, but possibly five times. That's gotta be a tough message to receive. But that changes how we read this story. Am I I right about it? But the good news is that it doesn't change how Jesus reads the story. Jesus, the prophet, knows it all because he knows everything we've ever done, seeing us and still accepting us as his children. Back in this day, a woman didn't even have the legal authority to divorce her husband. You were just in a loveless marriage. What kind of existence is that? Doesn't that change how we read this story? I'm glad that Jesus knows our context too, because otherwise we would read things into our lives and other people's lives that simply don't belong there. In the Old Testament, Moses prophesied that another prophet was coming. He said in Deuteronomy 18 and 15, "'The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, from among your own brothers. You must listen to him. Verse 17 continues, the Lord said to me, what they say is good. I will raise up a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell them everything I commanded him. If anyone does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name, I myself will call him into account. Now, why is this exciting? It's exciting because this prophecy was fulfilled through Jesus Christ, whose life, death, and resurrection we celebrate this Lenten season. Moses predicted that God would send a prophet to his people to speak God's word and to save God's people. And Jesus was sent by God to tell the world God's message of salvation, and he is still doing the same today in the lives of his people. Jesus is many things to many people. He's a martyr, a philosopher, a moral example, and from our sermon series, he's a carpenter, a teacher, and a healer. To some, he is a stumbling block, a myth, and a challenge. He's a priest, he's a king, he's a lamb, and a mystery to some. But to those who are seeking God's word and God's will, Jesus is a prophet. Not just a prophet, but the prophet and the most perfect and complete manifestation of God's word. Is it any wonder that in the book of John, Jesus is called the word? If you want to know what God wants you to know and do, you only need to look at his prophet, the very Word of God. The Word that he gives us through Jesus is nothing more than joy and life and salvation. That message that Jesus brings is not about judgment and punishment, but it is about grace and salvation. The law that Jesus gives us from God is not burdensome or arbitrary, but perfect and beautiful. The word that Jesus proclaims from God is that God loves us and desires to reconcile us to him so that we can live forever with him in joyous worship. Jesus the prophet wants us to be liberated. Jesus the prophet wants us to be free from the cares and the worries of this world. He wants us to rely on him, to cast our burdens on him. So I say to you, my friends, give it to him because he is the prophet and he knows our past, he knows our present, and he knows our glorious future. Through Christ, we hear forgiveness. Through Christ, we hear mercy. Through Christ, we hear adoption. Through Christ, we hear life everlasting. And through Christ, in the end, guess what we also hear? We also hear that we win. Look at this, church. Look at this. We have God, the vine dresser. We have Jesus, the prophet. We have the Holy Spirit, who is the comforter that offers us guidance and leadership and direction. We have one another. We are set up to win. All we have to do is walk it out. In praying this morning about this message, God told me to say something to you. God prophesied to me. He said, Carl, make sure you tell him that at the end of this, we win. We win. Don't fret, church. We have been set up to be successful. Don't fret, church. We got some tough days ahead of us, but through God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and one another, we're gonna make it through. We're gonna make it through. not only that, we're gonna make it through in victory. Give God some praise. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you'd like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Ginghamsburg app or online at ginghamsburg.org.